open God's Word together. Today's going to be a bit of an overview on this subject of the good news. So back end of January, early February, the elders got together for a little retreat over Friday night and Saturday, and we needed to talk about what are we going to do? We've uh, filled our building, and now what? Do we start doing double services? Do we do, we do something else? And What's surprising is the one thing that came out of that weekend together is that we need to do a better job of sharing our faith, which might seem a little counterintuitive because if we share our faith, doesn't that mean we're going to have more people here and more of a problem with space? Praise the Lord. That's exactly what it means. And I think it's exactly the right emphasis for us to have. In fact, any Christian church, whether you're a big church or a small church, whether you're a new believer, an older believer, we all should have this passion for the good news and for sharing the good news with others. And I hope that today we're going to see why. And that is because it is such an important emphasis in, in the Bible. So today, as I said, is going to be kind of an overview on this topic of what is the good news. In fact, over the course of this spring, we're going to be talking about this topic of the good news. Sometimes, by the way, the Bible calls, the, calls it the gospel. The word gospel simply translated means good news. So over the course of the next several weeks, we're taking a little break from our series in the Gospel of John. We're going to come back to the Gospel of John in July and August. And over the course of this spring, we want to talk about the good news from various angles and perspectives. So today, kind of a biblical overview on what is the good news. We're going to be looking at a number of different scriptures, and I'll put those on the screen for you. So here's the first verse I want us to see this morning. When we think about the gospel or the good news, if you've been a believer for any length of time, if you've been around the church, if you've been through Sunday school, we tend to think of the gospel or the good news in this way, just as Paul is describing it here in Ephesians 1, as the gospel or the good news of our salvation. And that's actually a really important part of what the good news is. Some would say, I think we could all say, Perhaps the most crucial part of the good news is that God offers us salvation. It's illustrated in our discipleship path here on the wall. To the left of the cross, we have people who've yet to find salvation, some who are looking away from the cross, who are totally disinterested or who don't believe, some who are looking towards the cross, who are curious and wondering about Jesus and wondering about the good news, and probably some of you here today fall into that category. But the cross represents this crucial point in our spiritual journey. Wherever we're at, we all have to come through the cross, past the cross, which represents salvation, the reality that every one of us need to be saved from our sins, as the Bible would say it. So this is a crucial part of the good news. We all can have salvation from our sins. That's what we heard about when we heard about our missionaries sharing this morning. This is the primary work that they're doing in Papua New Guinea and in Ecuador and everywhere else in the world. It's making the gospel known to people so that they can be saved. So I want to say this is the crucial aspect of what the gospel is. I want us to realize that it's actually a little bit bigger than that and broader than that, not any less than this, but there's actually more to it than simply salvation. So how about Acts 10? And I just want you to see all kinds of ways that the word gospel or good news is used in the Bible. And in fact, the book of Acts is really interesting. This is the uh, description of the early days of the church, the early missionary movement. 
And the, the writer of the book of Acts, who, whose name was Luke, describes the gospel in a number of different ways. So you see it here. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. We could say, well, that relates to salvation because through salvation I can have peace with God. But if you know anything about the New Testament, notice he's speaking here to the people of Israel. Part of what the good news brings is peace between the people of Israel and the people who aren't of Israel, or as Paul would say, the Jewish people and the Gentile people. Formerly in the Old Testament, God took the nation of Israel and said, you're gonna be my people, and he raised them up to be his own. But uh, through the gospel now we find that everyone can be part of God's people. Everyone can be, uh, can be children of God. So there's another kind of peace, one us with God, the other all of us one with another in spite of our ethnic background or, or whatever religion we might have been raised in we can all have peace together through the gospel now here we, we see it described Acts chapter 2 as the good news of God's grace don't you love that the good news of God's grace the fact that God offers us salvation through the gospel is a sign of his grace which means God is so kind to us he is so he's so good to us in spite of ourselves in spite of the fact that we're unworthy sinners God has been gracious to us through the gospel then we have these two crucial verses from Romans chapter one and by the way the book of Romans 16 chapters that really expound on what salvation really means and in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul writes about the gospel. He says, the gospel or the good news is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I mean, think about that. Think about all the people sitting in this room. Think about, and I, I don't want to draw attention to how much we all weigh, but you know, what did it take to get all of us out of bed this morning and through breakfast and get us all dressed and get us all here collectively into this room? Well, it's the gospel that does that, isn't it? It's the good news of Jesus, and that's nothing compared to the change that God brings in our lives through the gospel. Lives turned upside down. Lives changed from the people we used to be to now the people that God is making us, also illustrated in our discipleship path. There is tremendous power in the gospel to save lives and to change lives and to turn the world upside down. Praise the Lord for that. There's power in the gospel, power to bring salvation. And then he goes on to say, in the good news, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. I love that. Sometimes in our broken world, people look up and say, well, is there a God? Is God good? And the answer to that question is found in the gospel. And of course, it's illustrated especially in the cross of Jesus. The good news is, is so tied to the cross of Christ and in the cross of Jesus, what do we see? We see the justice of God poured out upon a perfect, innocent Savior, Jesus, and through the cross, and as we trust in the cross and in Jesus, God pours his righteousness out on those who believe. So how is it that God, who's perfect and holy, can save and forgive sinners like me? How is that possible? We should actually wrestle with that intellectually how could God rescue someone who's done what I have done and how can he still be just and how can he still call himself holy how can I get to heaven 
in spite of what I've done and what I've said and the thoughts that I've thought and the attitudes that I've had in my life? And the answer is in the gospel. Because God has poured out his justice and his judgment on Jesus. And in turn, because of my faith in Christ, he's placed his righteousness upon me. So now he can declare me righteous because he's made me righteous. That's what the gospel does. Here's Mark chapter 1, verse 14, a description of the early days of Jesus in his ministry. It says, Jesus went into Galilee, and I just love the simplicity of this one, proclaiming the good news of God. The good news of God. What does that mean? It means that God is the source of the good news. It means that God is the owner of the good news. It's his. Don't claim it for yourself. Belongs to God. It means that God is the initiator of the good news. The only reason we have good news to share with the world today is because God in his grace and mercy took the initiative to, to make a way for sinners like us to be saved. God taking initiative to restore all that sin has ruined. Paul could say in a similar way, Galatians chapter 1, the gospel I preached is not of human origin. Why is that? It's because it comes from the mind of God. Have you ever noticed, if you've ever studied world religions or, or compared world religions to our Christian faith, you will find that there is no comparison. Because every religion that's ever been conceived by humankind, well, that's the problem right there. It, it's, it's been conceived by a human mind. And it will always uh, have some form of, of achievement, some religious function or duty that I have to perform in order to appease God. And in, in, in one sense, religion places God at my debt because I've been a good person or I've been a religious person, so then God has to save me or God has to take me to his eternal home. But the gospel is not like a world religion. It is so different because it says that salvation or eternal life comes not from my merit, not from what I've done or the religion that I've followed. It comes as a gift from God who gave his son to take my place and to take my penalty and through that act of sacrifice, I can be saved by God. The gospel is not of human origin. It is so different from every world religion. It comes from God, from the very mind of God. And then we have all kinds of verses like this. Mark chapter one, verse one. Here's how Mark's gospel begins, saying this, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Now that's actually interesting because it's Mark chapter one, verse one. So that must be why he's calling it the beginning, right? It's the very first verse of his gospel. So that's why, no, that's not actually what he means. What he's saying is the story of Jesus in his gospel is the beginning of the story of God's good news and all that it's going to produce in the world. What I love about that is that we are meant to continue the story of the good news. Even though Jesus has died, been buried, risen, ascended into heaven, the story of the gospel continues today. But see here how it is bound up in the person of Jesus. It's the beginning of the good news about Jesus. That's why we call our four Gospels, Gospels. They are stories about Jesus, but they're called Gospels because Jesus is at the very center of the Gospel. In fact, you could say 
that Jesus is more central to the gospel even than the idea of salvation is. We've talked about how crucial that is to the gospel, but Jesus is at the very heart of it. Jesus is the, uh, is the one who brings good news, and just he himself, his presence, the fact that God in his kindness would send his son, or you could say God himself would come into our world on a, a rescue mission. That's good news even before we understand the fullness of it and what it all that Jesus accomplished for us. Jesus in and of himself, in his character, in his nature as this divine and yet human person, all of that is good news. In fact, one of the things that gives me hope in our broken world and in all of the ups and downs of life is just knowing that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus, a real man, lived in this world, and through our Bibles, we get to know about him, we get to hear what he taught, we get to see how he lived. The very life of Jesus, his wisdom, his power, his character in the ways that he loved people, that in itself is good news, isn't it? So the good news, the gospel is tied up around the person of Jesus. Acts chapter 5 says the same thing, but perhaps to a more Jewish audience. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. The, and the Messiah here is someone that was promised in the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. It was a great hope of the Jewish people that one day God would send his anointed king. And of course, here the good news is he's come. And Jesus was him. And he is truly the Messiah that God promised to the Jewish people long ago. And then we see statements like this. Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Had to add this one because Easter was just last Sunday. Without the resurrection, there is no good news. But the fact that Jesus died for sin and rose again having conquered sin proves that God's salvation is sure. It proves that Jesus is divine, that God is on the throne, and that his purposes will prevail. So a huge part of the good news is Jesus and including this idea of his resurrection. So now I want to shift gears a little bit and see a different concept that we see a number of times in the New Testament. Here's Jesus talking about his ministry and he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. If there could be a theme verse for our spring series called Good News, it should probably be this one. There's a number of things here that are really important. First of all, we see that Jesus, as a priority, his priority was this, to speak the good news of the kingdom, to proclaim it. So fundamentally, if we understand that the gospel means good news, that automatically tells us that there is a word, a message, that has to be shared, right? It's news. What do we do with news? Tell somebody. Liberal Christianity over the centuries has attempted to water down the importance of the message and in its place say, no, no, what we really need to do is just love people. But all we have to do is read about the ministry of Jesus. And of course, the church's mission and ministry is to be the body of Jesus, the body of Christ, which means that we carry on the very same work that Jesus did. 
So if this is his priority, he so clearly told us his priority isn't healing people in every town. His priority isn't walking on water. His priority isn't going to every graveyard and raising people from the dead. His priority is telling people the good news everywhere. I've been in this town. Time to go to the next town. We've got to tell everyone the good news. So that tells us a lot about what our mission is today, doesn't it? We are to follow in his footsteps. That's what the discipleship path shows us. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We do the work that Jesus did. And if this was his priority, this needs to be our priority. We must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God in our towns, in our neighboring countries, in South America, in Africa, in Asia. We need to do this work. But here's the other thing we need to see here. And we see this a number of times, and not just in the gospel. Some of us might look at this and say, okay, well, the good news of the kingdom, that sounds like language from the gospels. Is that really the same gospel that we're talking about? Well, first of all, the Bible doesn't switch up gospels, right? Uh, We're on shaky ground if we think that Jesus had one kind of gospel and then uh, the apostles had kind of their own version, then Paul came along and he had his own version of the gospel that's not true and it's not, it's not right. We get into all kinds of theological problems when we don't recognize that there's just one gospel. There's just one. And it begins with Jesus and here it's described as the good news of the kingdom of God. So here's why I'm, I'm trying to help us see this morning that it's not enough for us to say that the gospel is simply about salvation. We've seen already that the gospel is very much about a person. It's about Jesus. And here we find that the good news is about a kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now, why is it that we in North America get so so fixated on the idea of the gospel as it's just about, it is about salvation. Don't let me minimize that. But when Jesus described the gospel, he could call it this, the good news of the kingdom of God. That seems to make it a little bit broader in my mind. But we don't tend to think that way here in North America as Christians. And I'm going to tell you why I think that is. This past week I sat down with Gord Martin, who some of you know. Gord came from this church and has been in church ministry for many, many years. More recently he's gotten involved with ethnic churches here in Canada primarily in Toronto, but as far as Ottawa, here in Kitchener-Waterloo. And those connections with ethnic churches have actually taken him to other parts of the world. So recently, he had a trip to Eritrea and to Ethiopia and to Sudan. If you know anything about, especially Sudan and Eritrea, you know that those are places that have had a huge amount of war and upheaval. So he went with a pastor from Toronto of an Eritrean church who wanted to go back and he wanted Gord to go with him. And they went back and I can't go into all the stories but, uh, but essentially this pastor had to flee his homeland because of violence against Christians because of civil war. He almost died. He had to be carried across the border I think into Ethiopia. And he took Gord back to those very villages said, this is, I, I, I worship God in this church after, after we escaped and we, we were here safe in Ethiopia and he told all of these stories. But along with all of that, Gord was witness 
to a lot of the carnage that's happening in those parts of the world, to the persecution of believers, to the injustice of corrupt governments who are seeking to destroy people of other ethnicities within their own borders, people of other religions. He has heard stories and he's seen pictures. He sent me pictures that I could hardly stomach of, uh, of, of some of the things that are happening in Myanmar. And he is a close uh, pastoral friend from Toronto who uh, works with a people called the Chin people in Myanmar who are being tremendously persecuted for their faith. People who step on landmines and have their legs blown off. And I know some of you hear me say those things and you're, oh, he's just trying to, he's, he's, he's trying to be dramatic. No, ladies and gentlemen, that's normal. That's the world we live in. And when we walk out our doors today and we drive in and go to Swish LA and go home to our air-conditioned homes and we do not know what real life is in this world. We don't. We are, we are, we're just blind to it and we don't take the time to think about it when we do get to hear stories like that. What we experience is not normal. I've been to a few places. I, I've been to Haiti. My former church, we had a couple who worked at a hospital in Haiti. I got to go for a week and be part of an electrical crew. Can you imagine, Stuart? The... <laughs> I don't know why they trusted me to help with that, but driving down a truck to the hospital one day and this, this man standing on the street with his child, he holds the baby up to us, would you take my child? I can't feed him. And things in Haiti have gotten so bad that our missionary friends had to leave there three years ago. The gang violence. We hear whispers of this on the news if we take the time to listen. This is why there is a good news of the kingdom of God. Because in most places of the world, that rings so true. You live in a country in Africa where your president is corrupt, who he lives in a palace and the rest of you live on $10 a day or less. What you need is a new kingdom. What you need is a just king to come and right all the wrongs but here in our affluence, we know so little of that pain. We get sick, we have health care. But in most parts of the world, this message, and you can imagine how this would have rung true in the time of Jesus as he went through the cities and towns of Israel and declared this good. They were occupied by the Roman Empire. They were forced into paying high taxes to Caesar. They knew all about this. They lived in a time where there was hardly any health care, where almost everybody had some kind of physical ailment that could not be cured. So Jesus came not just preaching a gospel of salvation, which is a crucial aspect of the gospel, but here we read that he's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. There is a better kingdom out there. It is coming. And in fact, Jesus wasn't only the guy preaching and declaring the good news of the kingdom, he was the king. The king had showed up to declare that God's kingdom was coming. Think about the miracles that Jesus did, and we'll talk, if we have time today, about how Jesus supplemented the message of the gospel. Is it almost quarter after already? Maybe we won't get to that today. <clears throat> Think about the miracles that Jesus did. 
He says here his priority is to preach the good news, but don't you find it interesting how he would demonstrate the kindness of God by doing miracles? And I've just found this in my own life, that the message of the gospel is empowered, not substituted, but it's empowered when we show compassion to the people that we share that good news with. So that if someone, who, someone who's yet to trust Christ, priority of course is that they would hear the good news of salvation, that they would turn to Jesus and be saved. But if that person also is ill, or if they're starving, or if their child is lying at, at death's door, the king of God's kingdom coming and proclaiming that good news and having the power to do something about the physical need as well chose to do so. Wasn't his priority, but he enhanced the message of the gospel by showing kindness. And think about how his miracles related to this kingdom of God. Why did he heal the woman who had, that she was stooped over? Remember that woman that had arthritis and she was all hunched over? The guy who had the lame hand. The blind man. Why him? And when there was a crowd of people who were hungry, why did he feed them? Do you realize what Jesus was doing in every one of his miracles? He was putting God's kingdom on display. What he was saying was, I'm here to tell you the good news about the kingdom of God, and let me show you what it looks like, because in God's kingdom, we don't have arthritis. In God's kingdom, we don't have blind people. In God's kingdom, we don't have lame people. In God's, people, in God's kingdom, no one is hungry. So as he's doing these miracles, he's, he's reinforcing the priority, which was the message, and he's putting the kingdom of God on display. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Well, let me at least get through a few more slides here and then we'll wind this up. Notice this one, Revelation 14, 6. John says, I saw another angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel. The eternal gospel. I love this one because what it tells me is this, that when Adam and Eve messed up, rebelled against God, and by the way, we don't blame them because we've all done the same thing. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, when this whole created uh, masterpiece was thrown into corruption and confusion, God didn't smack himself on the forehead and say, now what am I going to do? Because he already knew what he was going to do, because the good news of his kingdom and of his salvation was already planned. Revelation also tells us that Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. God already knew what he was going to do. God had a plan. How about this one? Galatians chapter 3. Scripture announced the good news in advance to Abraham. I love this one. This helps tie the whole Bible together. And it's telling us this, that when God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. That's the gospel. The fulfillment of that promise, of course, comes through Jesus. And as Jesus comes and dies for sin and, and, and salvation spreads not just through Abraham's people but through Gentile nations, this is fulfilled. All nations of the earth blessed through Abraham, whose offspring was Jesus, who's the king of God's kingdom, who died for sinners, 
and now saves them as they repent and believe. Now let me show you one more. We don't think about this one. Romans 2, Paul describes the gospel in this way. On the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Did you ever realize that was part of the gospel? Did you ever realize that the judgment of God is good news? I'll tell you what, if you lived in one of those countries that I was talking about earlier, if you lived in a situation where you saw the injustice, the inhumanity of people slaughtering others, uh, abusing others, stealing from others, if you've ever been touched by, by, by sin or, or crime in that kind of way, this sense, this longing for judgment rises up in us, which in part is because we're made in the image of God. If you were a persecuted believer, and, and don't we even feel this as we pray for our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are being persecuted, don't we even pray this just as the Psalms describe? A longing for God to rise up in judgment. It's actually good news to know that God isn't just going to sweep all the sin of humanity under some cosmic rug. He's going to judge. He's going to judge injustice and in fairness. This is what the gospel declares. So I've got to just finish with this, a short definition. What is the good news? What's, the short, what's my short definition of the good news? And I think I stole this from uh, Heather Lynn Shell, who said the good news is that God is restoring all things through Jesus Christ. God is restoring all things through Jesus Christ. Of course, as we've seen, Primary in that is his restoration of lost souls through salvation that Jesus offers. But it's not limited to that. He's restoring everything. Here's a longer definition. The good news is that God loves his broken creation and is restoring all things through Jesus Christ who died to break the power of sin and lives to reign as king in every heart and in every place. This is good news. My question for us as a church is, do we love the good news? Do we get out of bed in the morning with the good news on our lips? Do we, get, do we head to work or to school praying that God would open a door for us to share the good news? If we are followers of Jesus, this is our heartbeat. And if it isn't your heartbeat today, I just want you to know that God can change your heart. He can change my heart. He can transform us. In fact, that's his plan through salvation. He wants to transform us, give us hearts of compassion like his. So we're going to sing, and then Glenn's going to come and close, and we'll continue our series next week. Desired that almost he would love to give up his own salvation so that others would come to know Christ. That's how passionate Paul was. That's how grateful he was for the good news. So I'll read these words that are very personal to me personally. What, what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, 
and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As it says, the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Back in 1965, I was attending Daily Vocational Bible School in Florida Mennonite Church. And Someone was taking time and energy to teach me the gospel, and it was Romans 10, 9, and 10 that God used to bring conviction to my own heart about the good news. I grew up in a background that was much about doing and being the right type of person so that God could accept you. What a difference when I found the good news and I gave my life to Jesus. And it gave me a whole different perspective of how life really works in the kingdom of God. So this morning, I want to just encourage you. Gary mentioned that there's two sides to this. Is this of good news is for me, but the good news is for others. And I trust as you go to the school, you go to your workplace, you do life as a mom at home with your kids, whatever it may be, as a senior where you are rubbing shoulders with other seniors, we have the privilege to share the good news. In my experience in the workplace, as I tried to live and share the gospel as graciously as I could, I know of at least four people that gave their lives to the Lord because I desired to share the good news. What an impact we can have as a congregation if we do that. I didn't do it perfectly but just to know that God uses a person who has a desire to make the good news known. So I just pray that you would be challenged by that. And if you don't know Jesus, it is an incredible thing to know what it is to have hope in, in the world, to have a purpose to live, and the joy to know what we started off with this morning, saying, it is well with my soul. Let's pray. Father, this morning we are so indebted to you. We live in a country with extreme great freedom to teach the word of God, to sing hymns of worship, to sing songs of praise. We have places of work where we go to where we can speak the truth in love. And persecution is really not known in a true sense. And we're reminded again this morning there's places in the world where life is extremely difficult. To mention the name of Jesus or to be known as a follower of Christ comes at great cost. So I pray that you would give us a sense of privilege to take it to this sphere of influence we have here in Ontario, here in Wallenstein, here in Elmira, Listable, uh, wherever we find ourselves. So I pray again that you would give us a real special um, sense of your presence this week as we seek to hold up the good news for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great day.